Well, welcome back to the ranch, guys, and our kind of second phase, first episode of the Behind the Beef podcast. My name is Bryce, and I'm a fourth-generation cattle rancher here in North Texas, and we are on a mission to build an online beef company here at the ranch where we sell our farm-to-table beef all across the uh, all across the country, and we ship it nationwide every single Monday. We also service our customers here locally in North Texas. So this is our first attempt at a second version of our podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. We have a special guest today uh, to kick off this era of our podcast. Um, to me, this is Grandpa. You guys may also know him in our videos as Rob, uh, but he is, this is my grandfather. This is my dad's dad. And he has been a really integral part of the history of the ranch and getting us to where we are today. So we wanted to have him on the podcast. He's going to, I'm sure he has some great stories to tell as well as some cool insights into uh, the history of the ranch and how things have gone. So without further ado, Rob, I want to turn this over to you and just give us a brief introduction of you as maybe not a rancher. So outside of ranching, give us an introduction to you and how you got to, to this table today, I guess. Well, that's a, that's a lot to live up to what he said there. But anyways, uh, just a little bit about me. I guess I would consider myself just an average guy. Um, my family moved here when I was in the fourth grade. There's uh, six brothers and sisters. We had a cousin live with us too, but we moved out here when I was in the fourth grade, and Daddy bought a small little farm, 90-acre farm, west of Springtown. And he always wanted Angus cows, so uh, he bought some. Not very many, but we bought some. I was always involved with uh, church and 4-H and FFA. And age 15, uh, I got involved with the Parker County um, Heifer Association, and I received Angus Heifer from the Parker County program. I already had a couple cows, so this just added to my herd, but it was neat and interesting. And uh, when I was a sophomore in school, I met my wife, Linda, and we dated through high school and married when I came home from uh, basic training from the National Guard, Texas National Guard. I served there six years. And uh, uh, we married and went on to have three boys. The first two were twins, Brian and Shane, which is Shane is Bryson's dad. And he was the oldest boy by 15 minutes. <laughs> but, you know, life is full of decisions and uh, that we all have to make. And I made some good decisions and I made some bad decisions. But uh, truly, I can tell you the best decision that, I ever made was accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And uh, that's the best thing I ever did. And it's also an eternal decision. And also along those lines, uh, <clears throat> knowing that my three sons and, and grandchildren uh, of age this far have accepted Christ, that means a lot. You know, that's what life is about. Now, I currently have a year and a half year old great-granddaughter, Bryson's daughter, and we're praying that uh, she'll accept Jesus when she understands is old enough someday too. So uh, that's uh, some of that. And when I married Linda, I also got in a deal, a, a father-in-law, and his name was Sherman. 
And uh, he wasn't always the easiest man to get along with, but uh, as Bryson knows, Bryson knew him. He wasn't always the easiest man to get along with, but he was a good man. He was an honest man. He was a hardworking man. And he was a Christian man also. <clears throat> we started building our cattle herd together and uh, that we both had had. And uh, in fact, it, uh, I live... Our house is built right in the same place where he grew up. When he was a kid, uh, his father and grandfather, <clears throat> they farmed that country. They raised cattle. They did raise mules and cotton. And they had about a 300-acre farm right there. And uh, <clears throat> most of that farm was sold off whenever he went to fight in the Korean War. He was gone three years and came back and he, he bought a portion of it, the home part when he came back. But uh, I guess the hardest thing, uh, you know, you talk about farming, uh, ranching, the hardest thing about ranching is uh, uh, the uncertainty, you know, no rain, rain, cattle up, cattle down, you know, you just have no control over most of those elements of ranching. And uh, I, I do remember, though, that we, we had fun doing uh, a, a lot of it. And uh, I guess back when I was a kid, some funny stories is, uh, uh, Daddy, we had a hay field and we put up electric fence. And me and my three, two brothers, three of us, our job was to check that electric fence, make sure it wasn't working so the cows wouldn't get in there and we got lazy one time, said the fence isn't working, you know, thought it'd be no big deal. Well, dad says, okay, y'all come with me. Let's go fix it. So we went down to the charging box and first thing he did was kneel down and grab that wire and it, it shocked him pretty good. Needless to say, we were in trouble after that, you know. So Rob, going back to, you know, the start, your start specifically, I know you and, and your dad, did y'all raise cows? He, where where you grew up? Did you grow up raising cows? Raising yeah. cows? Yeah, we didn't have very many, but uh, we had a few. My brothers had some. We all we all had some. Yeah. And so you already had a few cows when you met Linda and kind of inherited Sherman as your father in law. Right. Right. Yeah. And so did y'all at that point? Were y'all still running two separate herds, or did you and Sherman kind of come together and and form? I guess one bigger operation or how did that work? Or was that yeah. maybe a blurry line between the two? Oh, no. Um, so I, I, I had a few and uh, he always had about 18 or 20 there at the home place. Not very many. And uh, so we didn't join together right off, you know, after, after we married and built our house out there, we did. And, uh, we started acquiring a, a few lease places, thinking out of the box, you know, and and uh, would find a place with grass on it and nobody using it and would lease a few places. And we expanded our herd by doing that, you know, and, and uh, so we were into a lot of things, you know. We He always liked uh, fresh uh, sausage, so we'd raise a hog or two. And then he said, well, why buy Young's hogs to raise? Let's raise our own. So, you know, hogs are like rabbits. You can get in the business pretty quick. 
and that's what we did. So we had a few hogs that we raised them for years and along with the cows and, and everything, it was a little farm, you know, and hog business is a lot quicker to get into than it is to get out of. And uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because now I don't know if you guys have seen our videos, but as we're improving our cattle pens there at kind of our, our headquarters, we're still finding some of that old hog pen yeah. uh, stuff that you guys, infrastructure and stuff that you guys had to oh, try to keep them contained. Yeah. Well, they'd root, you know, so we'd throw big rocks in, in there and we're digging them up now. <laughs> yeah, our steers do a pretty good job in those finishing pens of finding those those big hog uh, boulders or rocks that they had in there to keep them from digging out. So yeah. that's funny. Um, but I'm sure in that time, we do it now, uh, you, Shane, Brian, and I, but I'm sure you learned some cool or maybe some important lessons about working with family. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being able to not only work together, but also uh, coexist and live together after after working together. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> I think it's all about uh, humbling yourself and uh, realizing that, hey, I can learn from anybody that I uh, work with, Yeah. anybody that I have dealings with. So. If you're willing to do that and uh, try to learn from others, you can, you know. And so, you know, people get set in their ways. And, you know, Sherman was, he'd always done it like this or that. They had wire catch pin and the, the loading chutes and the, the pins were made out of cross ties and one by sixes. And, and that was fine for the herd that we started out with some, original Herefords, you know, calm cattle. And as we tried to build our herd, we changed bulls and got Brammer bull to get some crossbreds and had some Angus and and uh, cattle would, you know, grow out faster and better calves and bigger calves. And with that, you need a little better pins and everything. So it was an ongoing task of upgrading things, you know, and you, you did it a little along as you could. And that's what we do. And so we work together uh, pretty good, you know, as far as how to rebuild the pens. But I will tell you that uh, all the pens are <laughs> kind of right like they were, you know, and the, the, they're just made out of pipe now instead of metal. The gate's in the same spot. So, you yeah. know, you live and give and take. You talk about, you know, you switch from that cross tie and one by six wasn't really fitting what you needed. And I think we have videos of that here somewhere online that we kind of ran into that same stuff now that our pins that we had for handling, you know, smaller cows and calves, as we got into the beef company, these 14, 1500 pound steers don't necessarily fit down the same alleyways yeah, that right. a, a three to 400 pound uh, calf does. So that's interesting that that's kind of a still happening. continuing evolution of yeah. adapting our infrastructure to fit what we need. Yeah. Um, so you and Sherman together, y'all are growing the cattle herd, right? You have Brian and Shane, yeah. and they grow up around cows kind of like I do. Right. And then I'm sure we'll have them on the podcast, or we'll have we'll try to get them on the podcast. I don't know if I can sell that to for them to talk about slow down long enough their experience with cows. Um, but I want to touch on something you you said a second ago about working with family and humbling yourself. And I think another thing that we've all had to realize here is that each of us has a unique gift. I I wouldn't go to, if someone asked me, they say, hey, Bryson, I have a, a cow that's doing 
X, Y, or Z, I'm going to say, hey, that is a Brian or a Rob question because Brian is going to be the one who knows anything and everything about the cows. You want to know your fertilizer, your weed killer. I'm going to point you to Brian because I know Brian's gift is cows and all yeah. things ag related. You, you know, that, that's a good point because uh, I may be older, but I don't know near as much as, as Brian does, you know, and it's okay. It's okay to relinquish that, yeah. you know, and say, I don't know as much as my son and and look to him for advice and, you know, guidance on that. Yeah, and, and the same, I think everyone here has something that they're, I don't, Brian would say if someone asked a computer question, he'd probably point to me. And if it's a logic or a outside the box or a creative thing, everybody's probably going to send it to Shane and say, yeah. Shane, how do we solve this problem? So yeah. I think recognizing who's gifted at what and realizing that somebody's probably better at that is a good thing that we can learn from not only here, but I think everybody can probably grab yeah. uh, that and, and run with it. So yeah. talking about Brian and Shane, they're, they're born, they grow up, uh, and I guess Jared too, they grow up with cows helping you and Sherman. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of, I guess, as they grow up, they're, they're real big into the, the custom hay baling, right? They're really on the custom farming side, growing that, and at the same time, growing the cows. Your yeah. your kind of take on that and, and what you saw. Well, they were involved, you know. We've got pictures of all three of the boys, uh, uh, you know, climbing over, helping unload the, the cake that we used to buy in the 100-pound bags, and you know, and, and uh, they've always been involved in it. And uh, they started getting their own cattle. Fact is, Jared, he liked the longhorns, so he got him a couple of longhorns and, and put with the herd. But unfortunately, the longhorns stayed caught in the hay rack more than they did anywhere else with their horns. And some of my first, I would say, farm memories, I, I don't know, I was five, six years old, were getting those longhorns unstuck <laughs> from those hay rings there at the shop. So yeah. I bet we have pictures of that somewhere too. I uh, but I remember that was a, that was not just a one-time thing. I think that was a recurring it was. thing that yeah. we had to deal with there. Yeah. And so they, they were involved and they got involved and, you know, we'd uh, had a few hay fields that we, you know, used for ourselves. And the problem was you could never get your hay cut when you needed it cut, you know, or, 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 or uh, you couldn't get it fertilized when you need it fertilized. So uh, Sherman bought the boys their first hay equipment and he bought them a tractor and a cutter and a baler. And they started not only cutting our hay when it was ready to cut, you needed it, but got to cutting other people's hay too. And, and, uh, that was when they were, I, I'm going to say, juniors in high school. They started that business, and and they did real well. And, uh, you know, that really got them jump-started. And were, they were able to buy their own cattle at that time. And and so uh, Sherman and I kind of turned over our cattle to them, you know, about that time also. And uh, so... They kind of took the ball and, and, and ran with it, you know. But uh, when Sherman and I were, uh, uh, you know, building our herd, we learned a, a lot, you know, a lot from each other. And, uh, you know, through the years, do you fertilize or do you weed spray or do you do both? And, 
you know, it depended on money. Uh, if you didn't have the money that year to both wheat spray and fertilize your pasture, you you know, we learned that uh, wheat spraying was better. You What you had was 100% grass. And uh, so cattle's not e- cattle for ranching's not easy, you know. I, I go to the bank and we borrow money to fertilize and, and uh, you know, buy hay and feed and uh, put our hay up and sell the calves at the end of the year and pay your note off. <laughs> I think the banker was making more than we were, you know. I saw a video. Time. Yeah, I saw a video the other day and he made a really good point that I'd never thought about, but kind of the ag industry as a whole is one of the few industries in which we buy everything retail, but we're forced to kind of sell our products wholesale. Mm-hmm. So everywhere else, at least if they're selling wholesale, they have a some kind of wholesale supplier, but we buy stuff for the most part retail from vendors and suppliers, and then all of our commodity markets are essentially wholesale markets at the end of the day, where we don't really have any pricing power. Right. So, um, you talked about in your opening about the Chamber of Commerce heifer program, and I will right here put a picture of that article with Rob's glowing. How old were you in 1967? Fifteen. Fifteen-year-old, stunning Rob, right here. But talk us through. Uh, maybe how that how you got into the program, how it worked, and then uh, I guess the end of that program, or when when you kind of closed it out with them. Yeah, well, um, I guess uh, through 4-H, maybe I became aware of the program, and our neighbor was Bill Hart, and uh, he was uh, one of the on the board of directors, I guess, of that association. What it was is uh, they had some men that uh, donated some cows to the program and uh, would give a heifer to a young kid like me, you know, wanting to get into the cattle business. And you kept that heifer and raised it and would show it at the county show over there. And when that heifer had its first heifer, you didn't turn give that back to the program. And then some other uh, young man starting out would take that heifer and do the same thing. So I received that heifer and uh, from a man named Mr. Woody and uh, raised that heifer. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty good program to get started. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's still a program like that around or not. But yeah. back then it was good. And back then, you know, 4-H, FFA was a, a, a big thing. I, I'm assuming it's not as big now as it was at one time. Right. Well, maybe there's an opportunity for us at the beef company to re- restart the uh, – maybe we do it with steers, though, to help the beef industry. <laughs> be hard to reproduce there. Right? I know. I don't know how what the sustainability <laughs> would be like of that. So talk us through, you know, you kind of ran us from 1967 up till, I'm going to say, 19 19- – 90, somewhere in there, Brian and Shane are teenagers, but some of the coolest memories you have working with either Sherman or Brian and Shane, or I guess you could throw me in there if you want to go a little further, but so some of the coolest memories you have in there, and you can also, if you've got any funny stories, I can prime you with some that I remember, but uh-huh. if you've got any funny stories, uh, just some of the, I, I know I have cool moments that I remember as a kid, uh, you know, for instance, the place that we have in Cottondale, I remember as a kid, 
clearing off all those trees and having all those burn piles. And I remember how pretty the place was when we finally got it cleaned up. And I remember building those lots, hanging out as a little kid, running around the stuff and pretending like those lots were were castles or jails or whatever you wanted to do. So are there any moments over the history that you can think back and say, you know, it was really cool when we did this or when I saw them do this yeah. that stick out to you? And I, maybe I'll prime that with a question of, have you ever showed up to the beef processor and not made it there with <laughs> with the steer that you were taking. I remember that story. So, yeah, Sherman and I fed, of course, we'd feed the beef out every year and uh, take to the local processor down there in Azo, Robert Jackson. And uh, we fed a calf out for uh, it's probably 120 days, you know, on grain. Loaded the calf up, took off to Azel, and uh, got down there and backed up to where you unloaded them. And <clears throat> Robert Jackson came out, and we got out of the pickup and walked back there to the back. And he said, guys, I don't know what y'all are doing here this morning, but I don't sell cattle here. And we thought, sell cattle? And he said, yeah, your trailer's empty. We looked in the trailer and there was no calf in the trailer that we had previously loaded here in Springtown, drove to Azel. So we took off back to Springtown, expecting to see that calf run over on the highway, you know, over every hill. Never did see a calf loose or anything. Got all the way back to the house and between the lot and the main cattle guard out at the county road, the calf had jumped out of gate that was left open on the front of the trailer and he was standing in the pasture with the rest of the cows and uh that was a a good feeling it could have been disastrous but it was a good feeling when he was standing out there so we grabbed a bucket of feed called him back in the lot of course he liked that loaded him up and went back down there with him and made sure the gate was shut that time but that's something we always do when we load calves now and bryson's aware of that he, he always double checks everything, and one of them is, are the gates shut? So, yeah, that, that was a good one there. Yeah, I think I've definitely left my fair share of gates open enough to realize that that's going to be a problem. <laughs> um, try to think of cool memories that um, I have. I remember, like I, I talked about when we were clearing that place, but I also remember building those lots. Um I remember just as a little kid working cows at a little age, at a very young age. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if I was helpful. I feel like they were probably just trying to appease me and find a job for me. But I remember you could always be the one that, uh, you know, if anything, you just kind of yelled and felt like you're being helpful. I also have a, uh, I guess our favorite, my favorite memory of, of all time as far as in the cattle business is really not to do with anything of our cattle, which may seem strange. But uh, when uh, all three boys were little, we were invited to go on a cattle drive with a, a guy I knew uh, in Gunnison, Colorado. And he invited the whole family up there to uh, move their cattle from their uh, winter pasture, which was low, low altitude, up to the high pasture uh, in the high altitude. And so we all went up there, the whole family, including Linda, and it was all horseback, and uh, we took about three days to get the whole herd moved 
from one point to the other and uh, all the boys were riding horses and, and moving them and we gathered them up from the low area and then took them up to the high country and and uh, that was a real memorable moment that the whole family got to take part of in, in uh, you know cattle business and uh, that was a really neat experience. Yeah I think if we could figure out how to get the Colorado weather and scenery down here in Texas. That'd be nice. I think I'd make that trade. So really cool for me, and I'm sure for everybody else to hear about how we got to call it today or a little before today, right? Raising cattle and and my dad, my uncle and I, we still, we ran cattle all through 2000, through the 2010s, I guess. Um, Just traditional cow-calf operation. And we kind of over the last, I would say, year, kind of kicked around the idea of maybe starting some kind of direct-to-consumer beef. Um, and really, the last two years, if you look at what just inflation in inputs has done at the ag industry, it's tough as a cow-calf producer. So when you when you look at the math that, you know, hey, your cattle are going to sell for, yeah, I call it on an average year, 10 to 20% more, but all of your inputs have doubled, that's just not sustainable. So we kicked around the idea of maybe doing some direct beef. And this year, uh, in March of 2023, we just said, you know what, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. And worst case scenario, we'll keep doing cow-calf operation. Um, So we started making videos here on the internet, posting for people to see kind of what we did, who we were, and it picked up a lot of traction. So you've seen the whole history of the ranch. I've just seen a a little bitty snippet of it. But give us your thoughts as we've kind of, tried to transition and build this beef company. Just give us your, your rundown on that. What, what you've seen, the, I guess maybe the most encouraging parts and the most surprising parts that you've seen as we've switched to maybe selling the beef instead of selling the calves. Well, um, you, you know, I guess, uh, I go back to that. Listen and learn. You can always learn from somebody else, no matter their age, if you're willing to listen. You can't learn much if you're doing all the talking. That's why I hate to do the talking here. But um, Bryson hollered, let's sell beef online. And, you know, when I first heard online, that was something. Uh, or sell meat through the mail, as people on the, on the Internet would tell you, too. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds worse when you say it like that. Yeah. So online, I when I hear online, I thought that was something the highway patrol had you do on the side of the highway, you know, is walk on that line. But this online business, the internet and all that, you know, it's all evolved, you know, in, in my lifetime. And it's crazy what it has evolved into. Who would have thought it'd been that big of a part of everybody's life? But anyway, Bryson said they were going to do this. I was like, uh, okay, I, I'm going to not say it's not a good idea, but uh, I'll join in, do what I can, and let's see how it goes. Because, you know, we would raise the calves to 500 pounds, and you'd load them up the trailer and take them to the local sale barn and sell them. And some of them brought good money and some didn't. You never knew, you know. So this idea of raising them and feeding them out, you know, I was like, I saw a lot of dollar sign, all this feed, getting them to this size of calf. And keeping them longer and everything. So you always have your doubts, but uh, it's been amazing to show up here on a Monday morning and watch Bryson and the guys 
box up and load out hundreds of pounds of beef every Monday and put it in a UPS tru truck instead of a cattle trailer. And it's really amazing. And uh, it's been a, a good deal. You know, I learned a lot about dry ice and packaging and all these things. And uh, it's been amazing how it's transpired. And uh, hopefully it'll continue to uh, grow and, and, and do good. I know uh, it's uh, it's pretty nice to know that you take your grain-fed beef that you've enjoyed all your life and you ship it to different places across the United States. And I like to look at the labels when we ship them, you know, and uh, see that it's going to Florida and different places. It's very interesting, you know, to know that it's going out there. So that's a funny point that you heard there. I'm probably going to put that on a shirt if you don't mind, but I've never heard anybody here at the beef company say that we kind of switched from cattle trailers to UPS trucks, but I guess we did kind of shift how our product is, is getting out of here. So um, any, I guess any other thoughts you have on the beef company or your ideal, you know, where would you like to see the beef company grow? What areas do you enjoy seeing the most? Or, or I guess give us some insight into what you like about the beef company now and what you'd like to see or, Anything you want to tell the people about the beef company? Oh, gosh. Let's see. You know, the working ranch end of it won't change any, you know. We still, you know, gather them up, work them, and, and, and do all that behind-the-scenes stuff, which is enjoyable and, and, and enjoyable for me. But I don't know. Uh, uh, I envision someday the, the way that you've been – able to ship and market your beef is I think it'd be neat to have a big storefront one day that you could display your cuts of meat in there and, uh, you know, have a, 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 a big room where you could, uh, have a big walk-in freezer and, and things like that. And then have it there at the farm, maybe where, uh, you could walk out back too. So many people want to see the cows and everything. And, that's possible, but not possible sometimes, you know, just depends on everything lining up right and everything. But it'd be neat to have that available for people and walk out and see the cow and calves, you know, is there baby calves and stuff. And and then uh, <clears throat> process of feeding them maybe in the pens and all that be available. But uh, down the road, I think that'd be neat, you know, to see something like that. Yeah, I think a lot of people really key in in the fact that we show behind the scenes of what we do. They get to see the cows, the ranch, the people, and, and eventually the product. But we do get that request a lot of, hey, can we come see you guys? So I think that would be not only cool for us, but also a, a big thing for the business is for us to be able to accommodate, you know, maybe starting out small groups of five to ten people who schedule it and because you got to think, cattle ranches and, and our ranches, not excluded from this, they're built for practicality and function. They're not built for show or for, you know, safely touring people through the facility or through the ranch. So some considerations we'd have to have on our end of just making sure that we can, one, uh, show people everything easily and it's not driving and driving and driving or getting stuck in the mud, uh, but also uh, make sure we can do it safely. But I agree with that. Right. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts, Rob, on the beef company? Oh, um, gosh, I don't know. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, caught me off guard there. But uh, I just uh, have been able to learn that uh, there's another market. There's another way 
you know, than the way we've always done it. And you're living proof of that. And uh, it looks like it's to be successful. It looks like it's going to be successful. Yeah, and you mentioned it in the in the beginning of the video, and then I wanted to touch on it here. But one of the coolest things that we do here in, in the beef company and everything we do here is we are unapologetic about our faith. And I know Rob talked about that in his opening. Um, but one of the cool things we do is in all of our beef boxes, we send out a copy of the New Testament. And, you know, we're not necessarily the most outgoing people, right? Our, our testimony is done a lot through the things that we do in everyday life. So the feedback that we get from people, uh, we've had several people reach out to us and say that, you know, it's the first time they've opened up a Bible in years or they, they, you know, we maybe rekindled their faith a little bit or their interest in going back to church. And I think that's above everything else here in the business and grow. And that's the coolest thing for me yeah. is that, something as simple as a beef company can be used as part of our testimony that's here true. and part of spreading the, the gospel. I think that wraps it up here at the first episode of our podcast. Rob, thank you very much You're for welcome. being a um, valued guest here. <laughs> and maybe the only thing I'll ask of you here on the podcast is that you will convince everybody else here that it wasn't that bad to sit in here and talk to the camera. Oh, it's all right. But, uh, they're not very camera friendly, but we probably get them in here. Well, thank you very much, Rob. Yeah, thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. This podcast is brought to you by the Parker County Beef Company. Coincidentally, we are the Parker County Beef Company. We're a fourth generation, 100 year old cattle ranch here in North Texas. We've launched a direct to community beef company where we sell our beef to people who find us primarily on the internet, but we also serve our local community here in North Texas. We sell grass-fed, grain-finished beef. We sell by the individual cut. We sell by the bundle. We have bundles all the way up to 170 pounds that we can ship nationwide. So if you're looking for some of the best farm-to-table beef that you've ever had, check us out at parkercountybeefcompany.com. We ship out every Monday via UPS on dry ice, nice and frozen straight to your front door. And we hope that you will subscribe to our podcast. Check out one of these other two videos that YouTube says you might like. Hopefully, it's one of ours here at the ranch. And we'll see you guys next time back at the podcast.